0: What's up, Fight Fans? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we and the greatest in the world of mixed martial arts. I'm Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. And I get a very busy Monday. You have the MMA Hour, now hosted by Luke Thomas. You have Ariel Helwani's MMA show. Who made his debut today congratulations both men but I got something that they don't have I've got some backup so without further ado (laughs) Miss Kayla Beatty how are you doing?
1: Hey G yes I always have your back hey MMA fans you can find me at fangirl underscore MMA I'm good how are you?
0: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I made it through Saturday morning, caught the MMA action, got to see some fights. So, you know, a very low-key weekend, but I got a lot of stuff done. What about you?
1: Um, I had quite the busy weekend just traveling around. Um, I, unfortunately, was going to go to the Eddie Bravo Invitational, but had to make my way out to LA instead of San Diego, so that was a little bit of a bummer, but it looked like a fun event, and I hope to catch the next one, but um, yeah, just kind of catching up on MMA and preparing for our weekend with Bellator.
0: Yeah, there's going to be so much to just really go over, and certainly we'll announce a lot of different stuff, we're going to be doing a lot of work throughout the week, so Between us, we're going to have just so much stuff, and as everyone knows, we always like to take the double act on the road. So, yeah, I will be on Instagram, and I am sure a certain fangirl of MMA will be making appearances, so we'll have a lot coming your way. But, Kayla, before we talk about a lot of news, really, I mean, that I did not expect this much stuff to happen... We did have an MMA event, UFC Singapore um, in the indoor stadium, headlined by Leon Edwards, Cowboy Cerrone. Kayla, I was very impressed with Leon's accuracy. Um, I think that's the thing that stood out to me, is that every time you thought Cowboy was going to rally, start getting into these exchanges and really come forward with his own combinations, it felt like Leon just was able to catch him with that punch that connected, that pierced the guard whether it was the kicks, and he mixed it up. It was Mm -hmm. never the same counter twice. I think all of that really was what slowed down Cowboy. I think that in the later rounds, it was more competitive. I thought Cerrone was starting to get himself going, but I think Leon Edwards just did that early work. That's why he got that victory. What are your thoughts on the fight?
1: Yeah, I agree. The accuracy and then just, you know, him being a smart fighter, knowing that Cowboy is dangerous and not letting off of that pressure of the counter and finding some knee or, like you said, elbow, jab, whatever to throw. And but, you know, at the same time, this is why I think, too, like these fights are so important. And what's nice about someone who's in Cowboy's position Again, we don't know what's going to happen from the future. He wants to fight for a long time, of course, wants to get back in that title shot. But even if he just ends up being this veteran that kind of gives us an idea of where these young, hungry guys are at, I think it was a good test for Leon Edwards to see where he's at and maybe humble him a little bit, too. Obviously, we know there was the trash talking leading up to the fight, how he was just going to put the old man to sleep. Well, you didn't do that. You know, You, you went to decision. So... I think that um, it was just a very telling fight. I think another thing we have to factor in is if there's truth to this, Cowboy says that he felt sick that morning and we didn't really get to see him, you know, at 100%. So, and I mean, I kind of felt that in the, in the earlier rounds, it did seem like something was a little off. I didn't know if it was just that he's getting older or, um, you know, if it was Leon Edwards skill, I'm sure it was a mixture of a lot of things, but it was just a good, a very telling fight and, um, a bloody fight.
0: <laughs> no, it really was. I, I, I heard the same thing. I watched it and I heard him say that um real quick i mean if you were that sick and you fought like that for five rounds i mean god damn mm-hmm. i mean i, I you know it, depending on how much morale i have personally i get really tempted to call out just when i have the sniffles at work so the fact that he came in and engaged in a battle like that very impressive
1: um, and took those pets to- too
0: Oh, and then the cut, of course. Yeah. Um, it was, I mean, he, th- that was a big one. I mean, I think people sleep on it because it was fight pass, and maybe it's an afterthought. Maybe people are just kind of having some fatigue, as we've had so many weeks of UFC. But that was a very fun fight, just if you were to watch it by itself any other time. Um, Kayla, let's talk about it, though. Leon Edwards moves up in the welterweight division he called out Jorge Masvidal. I like that fight. Stylistically, um, the trash talk, I think that they are two guys who could really produce an exciting matchup. What about you?
1: Yeah, I like the fight as well. I like Jorge. seems to be pumped about it. He's saying that he just wants to fight, and he wants to fight someone that's kind of, like you said, trying to sell a fight, um, You know, put on a good show, and I think that the aggressiveness of both men is going to give us you know, a battle in there. So I like it.
0: Yeah. I think i um, looking at the welterweight division also just the rankings. I think that it's perfect. Um, like, yes, this is a big win and exciting fight, but I don't think that earns you a spot against the Darren Tills or the Kamaru Usman's just yet. I think he needs another one possibly two before we're starting to talk about him against the top four. But look, he is on a nice win streak, just like a lot of these guys are. And the fact that he's now building on it, I think that's just all positive. So I think that, um, you know, he could set himself up to be a top five guy in 2019, um, especially depending on just how soon we get the Masvidal fight and how that one goes. But I see that being right now the trajectory for Leon Edwards. Um, I don't see him in title contention by the end of this year, but I can see him getting to that point by mid to late next year. Moving on to the co-main event, Ovin St. Prue versus Tyson Pedro. Kayla, one round, but man, this one was a lot of fun. I I mean, with OSP, it's always so interesting because he goes on these nice, impressive win streaks where he looks like just a killer. And then some people... it's always odd. I'll say it like this. The people who I expect to upset OSP never do. It's always the ones that I think <laughs> fly under the radar. that just seem to find his number and make it look bad. I mean, I it's just a weird thing with him. What are your thoughts on this performance, though?
1: Yeah, and it's just so funny because when he's going against, you know, these tough the tougher competition and then pulls off finishes like he does it's i don't know I, i'm i'm mad at myself that i haven't been a bigger osp fan sooner but i really think that this is someone that it's just a treat to watch and it's unfortunate that he doesn't have more hype behind him because whether or not like you said he has his off and on runs mm. he's delivering exciting finishes and this performance i mean one, I'm very excited to see more of Tyson Pedro because I think that had the fight, you know, gone a little bit longer and maybe that I, I want to say it was a slip or something, something happened to get him to the ground and OSP just being that composed and experienced fighter, you know, just happened to notice, like he said, that he was able to get in his favorite position and get get uh, Tyson Pedro in that uh, troublesome position, but. I think that, um, yeah, Tyson Pedro looked hungry. He looked good. He mm-hmm. obviously dropped him for a little bit with some he- a heavy shot. So I, I'm excited to see him fight back. I don't I don't think that it was a bad fight for either man. I just think that OSP happens to be that deadly guy that if he gets you in the right position, he's going to finish you. And, you know, it, it was a job well done, a really impressive win.
0: Yeah, I mean, compared to a lot of guys, um, I'd argue the only guy – well, maybe two I think that have it are John Jones and Alexander Gustafsson. He's just a long athletic just fighter for that division. And that's why he's able to just, when he goes for that Kimura or the straight arm bar, or of course, notably the Von Flu chokes that he seems to get every other week, um, uh-huh. it's because he won his IQ. You can't take that away from him. But two, he just has that weird frame that he could get the kind of leverage and torque on these submissions that, quite frankly, I don't think guys like Daniel Cormier are capable of just because, of you know, physically they don't have that kind of extra reach uh, that they need in their arms. So the fact that he knows he can exploit that, it's always just, you know. That's kind of his ace in the hole. I mean, obviously, getting to that position is a large part of the battle. But if he gets you there, he's shown just a very high level of creativity. That, to me, is one of the more fun things about watching him. Um, Not even in the stand-up, even though he's a very athletic, explosive guy, can hit you with a lot of power. He just has a very high level of creativity. And I think, to me, that's one of the things about him. Um, But, yeah, like we just said, I mean, just... Every time you think he's about to put it together, he runs into Alir Latifi, Jimmy Manoa. I think that's why we don't talk about him being up there like, you know, D.C., Glover, Gustafsson. And he really could be on some nights, especially like Saturday where he beat Tyson, which of course leads to the question, who do you put him in there with? Now, I think just looking at the light heavyweight division right now, Glover Tashira stands out to me. They've never fought before. Another person asked him if he wants a rematch with Jimmy Manua. Jimmy knocked him out in the first round, I want to say about two years ago. Both of those fights stand out to me as fun matchups for OSP next, especially considering the standings and just his momentum in the light heavyweight division as of late. So those two stand out to me as possibly next. But what about you?
1: Yeah, I like both those fights, too, for the reasons that you said. I think the Jimmy Manwaz sticks out to me a little bit more just because of, like you said, the momentum and the way he's finishing fights now. It might be fun to see it play back and see if he can get, you know, a fantastic finish revenge fight.
0: I mean, now you're making it sound like a movie. I like it.
1: Uh Um, But really, just, you know, look, good
0: stuff. The Leech, Ling, Li Jiang Liang got another nice win. Um, Jessica won in the Battle of the Jessicas. Um, <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Uh, did you see the clip of Song Yudong and the, the elbow on the break?
1: Mm, I haven't seen that clip, no. I will
0: forward that one to you. It got a performance bonus, but just beautiful. I talked about it when he made his debut. I think this time last year. This kid is impressive. So there's a lot of fun stuff to watch on UFC Singapore. So the nice thing is if you didn't want to get up early, you can just watch the highlights. So definitely check it out. It was a fun, well, I guess not night, but very nice early morning of MMA. How about that? Um, Kayla though, I, okay. So let's get, let's just put UFC on the back burner. We don't have an event coming up in the Octagon this Saturday. And I think Bellator is taking advantage of it because they have had so many announcements since our last show that I actually was worried we wouldn't be able to fit them all. And, of course, the top story right now, announcing Gegard Mousasi versus Roy McDonald official for September 29th. Now, there is a lot of stuff attached to this date. We're going to break that down, you know, during the course of the show. But right now, for sure, the middleweight super fight between these two, just look, we've been speculating it, but what are your thoughts on the matchup happening and the fact that it's happening at the end of this summer?
1: Yeah, well, I believe the last show we were just talking about it. So uh, I like that we're getting it sooner than later. We were wondering, we thought, or I thought that they were going to put it off for a little bit, but I think that it is really great for the company i'll say that again i think right now um there's this where people are wanting to see these you know champ versus champ super fights tournaments uh just different formats of of how we can put together a fight night so i think it's great i think we're also seeing both fighters you know in their prime um I think that this will be a really nice fight for Gegard to really cement his place in Bellator. Not that winning the championship didn't, but I think that, you know, he'll really get the Bellator fans to to be behind him. Um, and yeah, I, I'm excited for it. I think that I like that it's happening sooner because of what else was announced going on with the Walter White division that we'll get to later.
0: Yeah, I mean, to me, I feel like it's just you have to strike
1: while the iron is hot. And I
0: feel like you really don't want to risk this fight any longer. For Rory, you just took out Paul Daly, and now you took out their dominant champion, Douglas Lima. Same for Guard, Top contender, Alexander Shlemenko, Dominant champion, and Rafael Carvalho. Yes, there. Like, yes, technically there are other names. You could throw MVP out there. You could throw other middleweights out there. But I feel like when these guys signed with Bellator, instead of trying to continue with UFC, it was precisely for this reason. They were going to show up. They wanted to accomplish their goals in the weight class. And then they want the freedom to be able to pursue these big fights while they are still in the prime of their careers. So I like that we're finally getting this one. I like that we're getting it fast, just like you said. So I think it just works out all around in that way. I think that it helps as Bellator is really moving toward a big second half. Um, They haven't announced it, but I feel like we could get it in the next week, just the final dates for the end of the Bellator Grand Prix. So I think that the announcement Uh comes at the right time. For Bellator I think they're setting up for just a great finish to 2018 so I'm excited for that Kayla though stylistically Gaygard is a guy who has won world championships at light heavyweight he has teased that he might even be going back up later on Rory <laughs> moving up from 170 is this gonna be the fight that on paper is as competitive as it should be
1: I mean, I think so. What's been hard is Gegard's performances in Bellator. We didn't get to see, you know, I mean, not that we haven't seen him compete before moving over to Bellator. It hadn't been that long. But, you know, we we got to see more out of Rory in in his fights with Bellator, especially the last one. So that, again, I think that that's why... If, for whatever reason, any Bellator fans haven't gotten behind Gay guard yet, I just think that he needs a competitive fight like we will see against Rory to really cement his place in Bellator and have that highlight reel in the Bellator cage. So, um, but yeah, as far as size going up, I mean, remember, the? I think when we were at the forum um, Bellator Press uh, week, Rory was hinting that he wanted to move up to fight in the heavyweight grand prix so i think that um you know moving up to middleweight is something that like you said both men had ideas of kind of jumping around different weight classes so i think that if if he feels confident in going up and facing for the title i don't see um yeah it it hurting the the lack of competitive competitiveness or, or technical battle in there
0: I got to say this about Rory, and it's one of the things that I was very careful with, and we saw out of George St. Pierre, his teammate last year. He is a very, like, he's athletically, look, he's a very lean, powerful welterweight. I don't know if he's got the kind of frame where he can pack on that kind of muscle and still be as effective. I think he's a guy who really does rely on being the faster fighter, even though he is pretty solid as a welterweight so i think that's going to be one thing to keep an eye on um the thing about gegar Musasi is look he's just that silent assassin he doesn't do anything dramatic but he it doesn't change the fact that he can get you out of there and make it look easy i think that's the biggest thing about it is that rory both of them are great martial artists I don't know if Rory moving up has the style that really has the firepower to beat someone like Gegard Musashi. I feel like to beat Gegard, you got to be um, similar to your Uriah Hall's, Leota Machida's, faster and have a little more pop. That being said, I think that if he incorporates a lot of wrestling, a lot of work in the clinch, he could really use that speed and accuracy to frustrate Gegard Musasi. So I think it could be a close fight, but that is one thing. I think I'm going to need to be a little more sold on the size issue, just because we've never seen Rory move up in weight ever. So I think that's the biggest question mark going into the super fight. fangirl mma are you still there because i have a very big announcement for you for the same evening
1: i'm here g what's up
0: so if rumors are to be believed and a certain ex-murderer on instagram Vanderlei silva will be fighting quentin rampage jackson for the fourth time in what is expected by a lot of people to be at least the co-main event to Musasi versus mcdonald so, Kayla, let's let me take you on a journey through history. <laughs> they they have fought three times before. Vanderlei won twice in Pride in 03 and 04. Both of them, if we, people are not familiar with it, put the show on pause, go on YouTube, type it in. Some of the most brutal knees you're ever gonna see in mixed martial arts to take out Rampage. And in my opinion, They're the reason why people were always excited for Vanderlei Silva. The ferocity, the physicality, just the nature of the finishes. I think that's really what made him a legend is that he produced highlight reel stoppages like that. And he did it to Rampage Jackson, a guy you know is very tough. Same thing for Rampage. He got revenge in the UFC in 2008. First round knockout with a clean hook that put Vanderlei right to sleep. So... These are guys with history. It's a very, they're big names. But Kayla, let me ask you this before we talk about styles and anything else. They are both, I think, Vanderlei's 40, Rampage is 39. It's been 10 years since their last fight. Is this a competition or is this a sideshow at this stage?
1: Um, I mean, I think that I'd say the side for me, but obviously both men still want to compete for whatever reason. You know, we've we saw both men compete recently against, I think, the same guy, Chael Sonnen. And, um, you know, whether it is just to kind of duke out, a, a, you know, a couple more fights just to make a paycheck and cement your legacy and and especially at this other promotion, Cool, but I think the reason why I'm going to say it's more towards a sideshow is the fact that they're being matched up for a fourth time. I don't really know if we. So it's interesting that they matched up against each other. What do you think, G? I
0: I do lean toward a sideshow. Um, for some reasons that I'm going to be bluntly honest about is that. They were both known for trading a lot of big shots. You want it to be a barn burner. You want them to step into the fire and brawl. I don't have the confidence that Vanderlei Silva's chin can keep up with Rampage at this stage of his career. He was taking Mm -hmm. some big shots late in UFC. And that is coming on, I think, uh, we're approaching five years, maybe even six, since he was in UFC. And look, Chael Sonnen, great fighter. Not the hardest hitter. Rampage is a guy who's been hanging out around at heavyweight, and really his whole game is kind of centered around sprawl and brawl lately too. So I feel like this match is more just about the star power, Vanderlei and Rampage, the history. Both uh, fighter, you know, fans everywhere know who they are. But I feel like, you know, like you just said, with the fourth fight, there's nothing left to really prove it's just really a stylistic thing and about the star power is you hope they're going to go at it but I just feel like it could be a very quick finish either way if Silva gets himself going quick or Rampage just uses his physicality I don't get excited for it as I would had it been years ago so I think that's the only reason why it's being put together. Um, I'm sure they're going to sell it. I'm sure they're going to, you know, bring up some old wounds. But this isn't going to be the most exciting contest of 2018. I think just plain and simple.
1: And we saw it at the forum. We saw firsthand how many fans got excited for Rampage and Chael's fight. You know, that's when everyone was on their feet. So, yeah, of course they have the star power. But one thing I have to note, too, and I mean, this is something I'll watch, is the lot, they're each men's last couple of fights. Father Time is definitely, I think, um, catching up with both of them. But one thing that Chael did say, whether it was him just selling the fight even after or not, was that Rampage still was one of the hardest hitters, if not the hardest hitter, that he had ever faced. And he talked about those shots that were thrown, I think, in the third round. So the power is still there. And like you said, I just think if we were going to talk about it now and predict, um, you know, or talk about the uh, skills in there, I do think that there's still power behind Rampage's hands that I don't know if Vanderlei can handle anymore.
0: Yeah, and I'd like to, like, full credit, Rampage has been fighting. He fought, uh, what was it, two or three times last year. He fought earlier this year. Um, I trust his ability to compete. More much more than Vanderlei's in this style of fight. But um I mean look, obviously it's on Vanderlei to prove to us that he still can do it and he's not just there for a payday. And um there's only one way to find out and that's after we see this one. So I think really it's just gonna be wait and see. And also I, I will say this, when I say sideshow, it's because we've seen Bellator do this. Um Hoist Gracie, Kent Shamrock, when we really, really didn't need that. Um, Data 5000 and that fight, that was another one that, you know, left me, you know, scratching my head about why they put it together. And I get it. Look, maybe it sells the tickets, but that's just really one of the things about it. You know, it's not going to be the most exciting contest, I think. And I think that's what fans... Really tune in for it's not just the name, but you want it to be a fun show too, a fun fight. So I think it's just gonna have to be about wait and see. Before I move on to the big report from today, do you have anything else to add about Rampage and Vanderlay?
1: No, just that I'm excited to see the build up, and um, is it confirmed to be the co main? Of Gay Garden
0: and Roy, or not yet? Not yet, but I'm not gonna lie. I I don't see how it cannot be. Just um, it would have to go against a lot of what we know Bellator does for it not to be. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I think that that would be a good one to jump on. So we'll see where it's placed. Yeah, and also I'd like to point
0: out. I know that Bellator is doing their big press conference tomorrow. So of course you're wondering why are we competing with so many podcasts on Monday? It's just a schedule thing. Both myself and Kayla have some stuff going on and it's just we wanted to get you guys the content now because we probably wouldn't be able to guarantee a full show or anything as we get started for Bellator this week in Temecula. So that's why. But look, there will be some stuff that we learn tomorrow. I think that's safe to say. Um, one of which, of course, is this big report coming out that Bellator is now going to have a welterweight Grand Prix and reports from, to the L.A. Times from a source is that it's going to begin on September 29th, same date as Rory and Gay Rampage and Silva. And the names that are currently being thrown around right now are MVP, Michael Venom Page, Paul Daly former champions Douglas Lima and Andre Koreshkov. And what they're assuming is, you know, you're going to wait and see what happens with Rory McDonald against Musashi before you possibly factor in him into the tournament. Um, Kayla, I'm going to hit you with a few questions, but first just your initial thoughts on this tournament.
1: I am so excited about this. I think it's so smart. I think especially with a lot of what the welterweight division, these top contenders have been vocalizing. I think this is perfect. We know that MVP, you know, has been talking about how he wants to get back in and face some of the top people since people question his opponents. We know that Paul Daly has been feeling not as loved and, and wants to step up and, super fights or just, you know, some more attention, more um, drawing fights thrown at him. So what better way? And then we've talked about this, just like Scott Coker says, he believes he has the most stacked welterweight division out there. What better way to prove it? And then also just see these top guys perform and compete in a Grand Prix, which everyone loves to watch a tournament style. So I'm so excited about this. I, I think it's, it's, a, awesome news for the, the
0: promotion. Yeah, to me, I mean, the thing about it that I'm just a little
1: held off on is how do you factor
0: in Rory McDonald? Um, so uh, hypothetically, let's say he beats Gegar Mousasi, but he's going to come back to defend his title at 170. Are you still making him participate in the tournament, or is the tournament just going to be the winner gets to fight for the title?
1: And I... I yeah, well, I like that that's probably talk more about this week
0: yeah and I think though but here's the thing about it is that yes I like tournaments I like the fact that we're gonna get the best scheduled against the best and you know they're gonna just you know so on and so forth it's it's a set thing it's not gonna be well we offer this fight or that fight no if you win you're facing this guy period I like that I really do um, the only thing about a tournament is that if you're going to have it at this level, I feel like it should be for the championship to prove who's number one. If Rory is not part of it, I think it's kind of, you know, a bit of smoke and mirrors in terms of promotion. You, I feel like you're going to have a tournament to be number two. Now, mind you, maybe at the end of it, the welterweight title fight is big, but I think that's my only thing is that if it's not, for the championship, you know, how does this really all work? So I think that's going to be my big thing. Um, the second thing, though, like yourself, dude, I, I mean, I want us to finally get Paul Daly MVP. I've been saying that one for a long time now. Um, I like that they're getting guys like Douglas Lima back into it. Douglas Lima, an exciting fighter. Andre Koreshkov, I think it's beaten him once, exciting fighter. Um, We're not even talking about John Fitch. I think they need to find a way to get John Fitch in this thing, and that might just be math. They may feel they only have about six. You technically need eight to fill out like a full bracket, so maybe that's the reason why he's not being mentioned, but that's another guy. You know, you're talking about this stacked welterweight division. Those are the guys. So the fact that you are guaranteed to get them, in matchups in this tournament, I think that's a great move by Bellator.
1: And why not mix it up and throw in some of these young, hungry guys that have been competing really well? I mean, if they did that with the heavyweight tournament and kind of threw in people that weren't even at that natural weight, I think it'd be fun to throw in a couple of these young, hungry guys as well. But I think as far as, um, you know, fighting for the title or that shot, that next shot at the title – if we look at it, just last week we were talking about, okay, well, who should Rory fight next? No names were thrown out before Gegard Musasi. I think from yourself included, G, you said the next fight you wanted to see for Rory was Gegard. So if there was an initial name in the welterweight division that was like, oh my gosh, that has to be Rory's next fight, would it be so bad to have all of them duke it out so then we're sure of... And feeling more, or feeling more sure that that's the person that's deserving of the next shot against Rory.
0: Not at all. I think it's a great idea. But I will say this. Please don't try to sell me that this is the baddest dude in that division. Until they take out Rory, they're racing for second place, I think. And I don't know if you need the entire pageantry of a tournament. For that particular distinction. That's my only thing about it. I, I like the matchups. I like that we're getting out there. I agree with you. There wasn't a lot of people for Rory and I said, and I, you know, was with that. I think that um, is going to help. But I think that's the one caveat to it is that until we get the format with the champions settled, it's going to be a little, you know, touch and go for me about how excited can you be to say, it's the welterweight tournament, you know, the way we use a lot of hyperbole in the business. So that's my one thing, but I am excited for it. I really hope we get the matchups we want on September 29th. I think that could go down. I mean, we've been saying this a lot, but it's going to be another big night for Bellator, which, of course, could be made even more epic. Let's just pretend this one might happen. New free agent signing for the promotion also, Kayla. Kayla. Leota Machida, former UFC light heavyweight champion, signs a multi-fight contract in Bellator. He leaves the UFC on a two-fight win streak with 16 victories inside the octagon. Um, Kayla just... I'm going to say this. I thought Machida was a UFC lifer. I just feel like he was a guy he was going to retire, have his last fight in the octagon. This took me by surprise, but... I get it from a business standpoint, but what are your thoughts on Machida and this new contract at 40 years old, mind you?
1: Yeah. Al I see is smart businessman instead of, uh, you know, giving up when people were saying he should throw in his towel. He picked up two wins go, you know, leaves the UFC by knocking or finishing Vitor Belfort with his, you know, signature front kick and now is picking up a a deal with Bellator which you know with all the yeah. things we've just been discussing definitely has some momentum going for it so why not go in there have a couple more fights and and finish out you know your career with hopefully some nice performances and a nice fat paycheck i think it's genius
0: yeah to me i think um when i really break it down because i feel like you've like machida I feel like if he had stayed in the UFC, you're looking at probably a four or five fight deal. And none of them were going to be close to a title shot. I think that um, you're aware where Eric Anders is in the standings. You are aware of where Vitor Belfort is in the standings. And I just don't see them pushing Leoto in the next, let's say, two or three years to eventually make it to a Robert Whitaker or a Joel Romero or these other you know, maybe a Kelvin Gastelum or a rematch with Weidman. These younger guys still up there at middleweight. And I think light heavyweight is just out of the question, too, for, you know, the way he's looked in recent years. So I feel like, yes, he could have stayed with UFC. But I think for this last... I'm going to call it the last chapter of his career. I don't see it progressing past this contract. But he closes it out. He has an opportunity to probably immediately challenge... A guy like Musasi to probably go up and fight uh, Ryan Bader again, both of which he has victories over. And so I don't know why he couldn't do a Rory McDonald and try to complete this kind of sequence for his last stretch of his career. I think he's a big name. He's definitely new blood at a time when they need it at 205 and 185 for Bellator. So I agree with you. It's smart business all around. Let me ask you, Kayla, if you're matchmaking for Lyoto Machida, do you want to see him against Gegard Musashi or Ryan Bader first?
1: Um, I mean, I think that that's just going to have to, we're going to have to see how everything plays out. Both men have, you know, two big fights coming up uh, for them. So it's too hard to predict at this point.
0: I mean, I personally feel like the Musashi fight could be more intriguing. Just, you know, I feel like the Ryan Bader fight, it would be a little different. Whereas I feel like Musashi, I feel like he has a bigger chip on his shoulder um, going into a fight with Machida if he were to do it. So I feel like that one would be big. Um, I don't see Rory McDonald fighting him if he beats Musashi, but stranger things have happened in MMA, so... Those are my initial thoughts on it, though. Moving on, our next news story, George St. Pierre and Rose Namajunas nominated for SB awards. Both of them are in the uh, category for fighter of the year at this summer's award show. Um, Note, the other fighters in the category are boxers Terrence Crawford and Vasily Lomachenko, also two great guys, might I point out. Um, Kayla, let me ask you this question. I know you're a big GSP fan. I am a big GSP fan also. He only fought once last year. Is it a bit of a snub to have him in this category and not somebody like, let's say, Max Holloway?
1: Yeah, I think so. You know, him more than Rose, just because, like you said, you know, he only had... That one fight, and even though it was a you know big move for him to go up and you know uh, win the belt and and pull off everything he did, and obviously still have the star power, I personally think that. But I don't know. I mean, it's the ESPYs, so I don't. I think you have to look at it too. Do the ESPYs always take into consideration? what you've actually done athletically and look at, you know, the stats of what you've pulled off in your sport, or is it a mixture of star power, the buzz that's been going on around you? Um, You know, I think that all comes into play. So I don't – he wouldn't be my first pick to throw in there, but, you know, it's, it's just the way that some of these award shows work.
0: Now, I agree with you. My only thing, because, and I say this out of respect for Max, because Max is here doing work, and he's going to try to go and do work in about a week and a half. But for me, um, the thing about GSP that sours it for me is, yes, it was epic. Move up to 185, tough fight with Michael Bisping, make history, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Five-year layoff. But Kayla... And he just disappeared on us again. And it's like, you okay. know, we just got excited to have him back. That's the one thing for me that's like, like GSP, I get it. You did, you made history. But if you were going to kind of tease us like that, it kind of is like, well, you have to be consistent for us to really get hyped up to give you this award. Otherwise, I'm going to just say it. I know it's award shows. I know it's literally just for TV, but I'd want to give it to somebody else because I know that person is still gonna come and fight, We're gonna get to enjoy their talent. GSP, I'm not sold on that. That's my one thing about him in the category, but I'll acknowledge the star power. You just really can't compare. Um, Also, I'm gonna say it like it is. Compared to the trouble we've seen our other stars in MMA go through this year, He's never been a guy with that problem. And I think that's saying something about an ambassador for the sport in 2018. So full credit. Let me throw another one at you, though. Rose Namajunas over Chris Cyborg.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know, because I think that when you look at Rose the way that her career has developed and evolved and the hard work she's put in and then taking out someone that was so dominant i think there's more of a, of a story and reason behind why she would be nominated why not both ladies in there um maybe that's some more progressive uh we'll get some more progressive times you know as we move forward to where more than one lady will be considered um but yeah again chris cyborg to me is someone that's definitely been snubbed when you look at everything that she's accomplished and continues to accomplish and in and how active she's been as a fighter and how engaged she is with her audience and things she's doing outside of fighting and that she wants to go into boxing i mean there's there's so many reasons of why she should be in this category as well
0: yeah i mean um When I look at it, and look, Rose Namajunas, like, she did work that last fight with Joanna, She left no doubt. Um, I worry if Rose is there just because of the marketability aspect. I'm not going to beat a dead horse. Fans know what I mean by that. Which would be unfair, because for all the reasons you just said, look at what Chris Cyborg has done. And I get it. She does have a great story, just really seems to come out of nowhere to flip the strawweight division upside down. But you really just um, I think it's just fair. If you're not going to give it to Chris Cyborg now, when are you going to give her credit for what she's done? So I think that's my only thing. But I get it. They're in a great category. Um, I don't know. Let, let me ask you this one, Kayla. You can only vote for one to win the award. Who would you vote for?
1: Oh, man. Um, let's see. And so this is for fighter of the year. Yes. I, it, am I picking someone in MMA or, like, overall? I mean, I guess I have to pick someone in MMA. I'm going to oh. pick Rose. <laughs> Who are you
0: going to pick? You said you're going with Rose? Mm-hmm. You know, I got to go with Rose, too. Um, like Like I said, like, GSP. If I knew GSP was coming back, I'd probably vote for him, but... You know, you can't just do that to us. So I think I'd have to lean toward Rose Namajunas for that one too. Um, I think it's just, you know, she's gonna be back. I admire her toughness after everything leading up to the last one in May. So I'd go with Rose Namajunas. Now, of course, to round out the show, there's technically no UFC. We're not gonna do predictions, which I think is probably a good thing because I feel like we are very close to the situation at bellator with how much we talk with a lot of these um and i'm sure look we'll have we're going to have to discuss it next week so we'll you know when we have the evidence in front of us after a fight we'll certainly be able to talk a little more x's and o's but it's going to be a great week so i'm looking forward to that and we have a lot of interviews with a lot of stars Kayla, I'm gonna actually flip the script a little bit. I'd really like to talk about yours and maybe you could say a little something that you might've learned from mine. Um, So let's just uh, break it down. You spoke with Bellator stars, Aaron Pico and AJ McKee, two up and coming fighters, obviously out of team body shop. Um, Kayla, when I looked at it, first off, amazing work as always. The interview with Aaron Pico, I really like just how you're able to get him to speak. And the fact that how impressed I am always. This, is, this kid's only 20, 21, and he's got seemingly the whole world in front of him. He's training out of not just body shop, but wild card gym with Freddie Roach, the legendary boxing trainer. He talks about wanting to be that guy who can maybe accomplish these things. Titles in MMA, titles in boxing. It gets you so excited. And also, you know, yes, he's very composed, but he's honest about it. He's honest about wanting to, you know, have fun with Team Body Shop. I like that he believes he has the best dance moves in the gym. So to learn (laughs) that about him was a lot of fun. Um, The respect between him and TJ Dillashaw. I mean, when you think about those two teaming up, And learning from each other, I just get excited about what we'll see out of Aaron Pico. So that one was a lot of fun to me for those reasons. AJ McKee, the thing that stood out to me when you talked to him, you did talk about dad and everything. What's it like to be coach's son? But this rivalry with the SBG Ireland, you know, some fighters would be like, you know, he can invite whoever he wants on that team. Clearly, AJ has been thinking about this. You got him <laughs> to drop names, set up matchups. He's clearly a young, confident guy, ready to take on the world. Um, I, can I
1: ask, did you interview him before the James Gallagher
0: news broke?
1: Um, I don't even know if I've seen the James Gallagher news. What news broke? Uh, well, James is usually 145, same weight class as AJ. And I want
0: to say he's now moving down in weight to bantamweight. weight
1: oh shoot i didn't even see
0: that when was that dropped i I want to say i saw it a little after your interview it might have been the next day or something but um (laughs) that's what really made me think of it it's like how does he feel about that because i know Ah. the two have a very weird rival is it a rivalry is it not a rivalry (laughs) so that stood out to me about that but um look he's certainly a guy he's a young man who knows where he's at. I've talked with other body shop um, fighters and being the coach's son, he does know there's a bit of responsibility on him, but he handles it so well. He looks like he's taking it all in stride. That's why he's 11-0. That's why he should be knocking on the door for a title shot. I think he just needs to fight a few more of the bigger names in the division before we get there, but I'm excited for it. Um, Really, just let me ask you about them before we move on. What did, what stood out to you about either one and what they told you?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, 1G, thank you for all the kind words. And it it is nice because I I really enjoyed the interviews, just seeing the guys kind of open up and have a little more fun. And, you know, we talked business, but they also had fun and showed, I guess, just, you know, um, the atmosphere and the camaraderie in their gym. They really do all work super hard and are super supportive of each other. And that's cool to see is you have, you know, a gym full of young, hungry, new talent, and they're all pushing each other. So that was fun just to see them talk about each other, kind of hear a little bit behind the scenes of who each other is saying to look out for as far as hardest hitter, or maybe might bust out some dance moves. um, If there's ever a grand pre Bellator hot, up and coming you know uh prospects at dance off we know that aaron pico is going to take it but um yeah i i'm always impressed by aaron pico that you know every time we talk to him it just seems like he he's a hundred percent in that with focus and and belief in himself and we've always been impressed with the you know, maturity that he has when he talks to us and the maturity we're seeing in the in the cage. And it's just because he he's a believer in the hard work he's putting in. And it's exciting, like you said, to hear him talk about how he wants to make moves into boxing and, and kind of like a Chris Cyborg, like the sky's the limit. So um, and then the fact that he is nominated for a World MMA Award so early in his career, that's huge, too. As far as AJ, I mean, it's crazy that AJ, you know, I mean, AJ has the attention, but it it does shock me that only the hardcore MMA fans are really aware of what he's done with the company. I mean, he has the most consecutive winning streak going on right now, and he's so young too, only 23 years old. So um, yeah, he's very aware that, you know, people still need to see him fight a couple big names. I know that I got a little inside scoop that there's something in the works that should be announced, you know, in, in the nearer future. So that's an exciting fight for him. But what's cool and what I find actually kind of silly, I mean, in my opinion, for James Gallagher to move down in a different weight class right now is both those guys have options for fights, whether it's against each other, whether it's team versus team, which is something that Bellator could really blow up. Or, and I mean, I even read too, the last news I had read is that the Pitbull brothers were looking to actually fight team SBG. So I don't know if, you know, that's something that'll play out, but um, AJ just has options. He's right there for a title shot very soon or has all these other, you know, intriguing matchups. So that they're just, you know, team body shop is an exciting group of guys to watch. We're going to see some of them compete this week. And um, yeah, they're just always very cool and, and, you know, always very respectful to talk to us too. So now G we've got to talk to, or talk about some of the interviews that you had. I just got to watch them right before we jumped on. I spoke with the boys. You spoke with the ladies. I first have to ask you. So you spoke with Alejandra Lara, who's going to be competing against Lay McFarlane for the belt this weekend at Bellator 201, the flyweight belt. Obviously a huge fight for her. It's only her second fight in the promotion. Where did you catch her? Because did you catch her somewhere in the States or was this when you were traveling for Combates? I'm, I'm just curious where you caught her.
0: I was actually traveling. So I got that interview when I was in Sacramento. Her teammate, Lisbeth Silva, who's also a very talented fighter, um, was fighting for Combate Americas. Um, she's on the same team as Alejandra. Um, we were at the weigh-ins and Alejandra um, very low key was there. I had recognized her and, uh, very sweet, uh, very just gracious with her time. And we got to talk. I love your hustle.
1: Well, yeah, it was a great interview. You know, I think I've watched a couple of hers now and she's just very chill. Like you said, very sweet. Um, it's almost a little, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say I'm questioning her, but I, it almost makes me a little like worried about her too, because it's always those sweet, quiet ones that they say are the killers. And obviously we saw her, you know, you spoke to her about her first fight, you know, uh, picked up a win and got enough attention to be, to kind of jump the gun against other girls that have been maybe more well-known in the sport or competing in Bellator longer that she got this next shot against the champ. But what I really was impressed with is that, yeah, you got her to open up just kind of to talk um, about the matchup itself talk about her skills and where she feels confident that she's very aware that Alima's dangerous on the ground, but she feels confident there. Um, and then just, I, w- I really liked how she was talking about how she wants to be a representative, um, you know, for the Latin community and for women because they don't have as many stars there. And I know she's competing. What I, what I love is that she's Alima comes from 10th Planet in San Diego, which we know has you know a group of lady killers over there, tough girls. But like Alejandra Kayla, Beatty? Comes... <laughs> Alejandra comes from a similar background too, of of a gym full of girls that are super hungry, talented, and tough. So that's what kind of after hearing your interview and seeing one other one, I'm a, a little scared of her. I mean, I I hope that I'm going to be able to keep myself together on Wednesday and not get um you know, nervous because she's such a sweet girl that I just feel like I'd be scared to be across from her in the cage when she turns on her ferocity. <laughs> but what did you get from the interview with her, G?
0: Um, So something that fans, you know, probably, like, can figure out, surmise from watching it is that English is her second language. Um, uh-huh. And one thing about it, and I've done this for fighters, is if you truly feel uncomfortable, I will... Um, do it in Spanish, and I'll just go back and provide closed captioning. Alejandra told <laughs> me she did want to do in English. She wants to grow her stardom. She wants to be, you know, more well-known. And quite frankly, you know, people sometimes get frustrated reading. That's the age that we live in. But she really, um, I think you got to give someone credit. They are aware that they have a public job where everybody is going to be watching this. She's fighting for a title in one of the biggest promotions in America. And she still wanted to sit and talk. And she wanted to show that she's been learning and that she's excited about this. And she takes growing her brand seriously, just like her fighting career. And I really respected it because I don't, I really doubt if Alejandra probably had to talk English with anybody else besides me that entire weekend. So the fact that she was willing to do that, that she wanted to do that and gave me the effort because it's a very technical sport we were in. You know, we're not talking about a ball in a stick. We're talking about a lot of, you know, um, anatomy and just a lot of technical terms. And she handled it very well for somebody, you know, who you could tell is grasping the language. So I just really appreciated that. Um, also, yeah, like she said it, she had to hear all about Lena of Chinakova's kickboxing career. And she didn't let it faze her. And then she went out there and just dominated the Bellator veteran. I mean, that's really what I think is the big thing about her. She's in shape. You could see in that video, she's already got abs through her, you know, the rash guard, it really, you know, I'm excited for this one. I think that a lot of people maybe underestimate Lima. They don't know Alejandra. These two girls, seeing them both and getting to know them both, it's going to be a very fun one.
1: Yeah, I agree. I love that Bellatoris trusted these two ladies to headline a card, too. I think that they, they chose this match well to have it headline the fight and be the main event. Another... Girl fighting on the card will be—I want to say it's Christy or Krista. Let me pull up Christy. Christy. Okay, that's what I thought. Christy Lopez, and who is she fighting? G. Paula.
0: Paula Ramirez.
1: Yeah, and I enjoyed this interview too. You know, I think that um, she almost reminds me of of a, of a Paige Van Zandt. She wants to have fun, show her girly side. I like that you asked. You know. Um, this was one of her sponsors that she made a cute video one that we see a lot of people in general brand ambassadors making videos like this but maybe not so much in the MMA world and I like that she's not afraid of any backlash or you know people thinking she's silly or goofy I like that she wants to show her personality and have some fun with it so definitely check out this interview um, just so you can also check out her, her cute video that she made but um again you know another talented hungry lady that's looking or girl that's looking to you know jump on a car that's going to get attention and I think I always like when we talk to the girls on the undercard because you know that they have a feeling that and especially an event with an Alima and Alejandro Lara on there and I feel like I don't know, to me, if I was a, a female fighter and I knew that there was ladies headlining on the card, it would kind of almost give me a little extra oomph to be like, yeah, the girl's got to represent tonight and put on a good show. And I feel like she seems like she's ready to do that.
0: Yeah, um, the coolest thing about Christy is she is also from the same place and hometown as yours truly Um Off the record, we did get to actually have a very fun conversation about, you know, growing up and um, just the lives we lived um, prior to being really involved in the MMA world. And so that was very cool. But I think the thing that people probably may not get about Christy because they haven't really been introduced to her, her Bellator fights haven't been on TV yet is the fact that she is really genuine about her struggle and really she practiced what she preaches. She's not just saying it to be Miss America. She really does believe in setting an example through her hard work. She's been through long layoffs. She has had injuries. I personally saw the damage. Months later, her knuckle really did look pretty bad still. this was in December. Her fight was in August, and there was still some big physical damage on her hand. So I've seen her struggle and really go through that, and I can tell you that she really is excited. She really does believe in this and wants to be out there and wants to do well and compete, and she's not shying away from it. She's a very fun fighter. Bellator isn't having her on under- the undercard. They kind of signed her to a prospect kind of deal, just like Your Joey Davis and other guys. So she's someone to keep an eye on. And I think that if she can really stay healthy, you're going to see some big things out of Christy.
1: Yeah, I think so. I'm very excited. You know, tonight, these are just a couple of interviews that we will get leading up to the Bellator 201 fight card. Obviously, we have a busy week coming up, G, but it's going to be fun.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm going to have some content coming out over the next few days before we even get to Temecula. Um, I have interviews with Christina Williams fighting Valerie Letourneau. I also had the opportunity to speak with Joey Davis fighting on the undercard. So there's going to be fun stuff. You guys are going to get to check it out. And then Kayla, we are going to be back in action on Wednesday for Bellator. So... I mean we're not allowed to share like express details but what we can say is that we're going to be speaking with quite a few fighters from the card and then of course Friday night we will be on hand to do reporting from Bellator 201 just talk to me about your thoughts going into this one
1: Yeah I'm excited um I think that there are it's just a stacked card of young and new talent obviously the ladies at the top of the Marquee, and you guys can check out my stuff at fangirl underscore MMA, but I will be there as a reporter journalist for MMAUK.net. Definitely check out. Um, I'll probably be live tweeting on Fight Night at we Are MMA UK. G, where can they find your stuff?
0: Fans, you can find me all the time at Double G on TV. My content is going to be for CagesidePress.com so I'll be sending links to everything, tweeting about where which account I am going to be from. Um, certainly, I'm looking forward. It's always fun when I get to work with you. You know this. So I think that, you know, look, we go out there, we get good content. It's always a fun event. So it's going to be a lot of fun reporting with you and the rest of the MMA community. Kayla, before I let you go, I do got to say this. The super fight is almost upon us. Next week, we are going to get to talk about DC versus Stipe. Talk to me about how exciting that whole card is going to be before I let you go.
1: Man, someone texted me the official card lineup, and I think my mouth dropped dropped open a little bit. It's so stacked. I'm not even going to get started because it's going to take probably the full hour to talk about next week. What about you?
0: i mean um i've been um i've been t- asked about it i've uh, just really just been excited i've been back and forth about which way i think fights are gonna go um i love that we're finally getting Derek lewis and francis and ganu um i've said it max and brian is right now one of the toughest fights to pick um i think it's up there like for one of the most difficult of the year so it's gonna be so much fun And fans, we will be discussing all of that action plus recapping Bellator next week. Remember to tune in to our social media channels and have a great rest of your week.